Let's hear the word of the Lord today. John 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, this is the words of Jesus, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. One who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Today, we're going to start a new series. Today, we're going to look at the uh, words that are super easy to preach on. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are just like verses that, uh, man, they just make everybody feel good. Like, Jesus has come that they may have life and life to the full. One uh, translation uh, says abundant life. In the Greek, the word is literally, it's like super abundance. Like, you'll have some of that, but then like a lot more of that thing. And so that feels really good. And then what can happen is, is preachers... Um, and not just preachers, I think all of us when we're reading and we're going through our like devotions when we're looking through uh, the text, when we want to make Jesus into our own image, we go, cool, what does abundant life look like? And then we attach our favorite social causes. We attach, we okay here? We good? Yeah. We attach our, sorry, we attach our favorite, um, our whatever, what we think and what we want abundant life to actually be. I mean, none of you have ever been guilty of that. I, I, I have I made it my goal this last year to fight off whatever cynicism and criticism remains left in my heart. But it creeps up in moments when I read through this verse and I go, oh, this is how I could preach on it. But then again, I could pay attention to all the other things that are going on in the text around it. Which, if you're uh, not new to the Bible, uh, you know that's how you should read it. And if you're brand new to the Scripture... Um, this is one of those verses that you hope that when you like are laying in bed and you, you do the like, man, I, I don't know where to start with the Bible. And you just kind of open it and then point and then read. You kind of hope you come to a verse like this. You hope you come to a verse that says, yeah, and I might have life and life to the full. And life for me equals this. And abundant life equals this. Some of you may have come up in like a prosperity gospel uh, world, Or maybe you came up in that and you don't know what prosperity gospel is because you came up in it and it all feels good. If Jesus really loves you, he's going to give you a Mercedes Benz. Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Right? If you, re- you never know that song? It's a classic. I think it's Willie Nelson. Is that Willie? Janis Joplin? Janis Joplin. Wow. <laughs> Samsonite. It's way off. Tommy Boy references. I'm starting to date myself. 
Abundant life, what Jesus is talking about is in the context of shepherding. It's in the context of juxtaposing who he is with who the Pharisees are and the religious elite are. Very truly, I tell you. Very truly, I tell you. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life. Later on in John, it says, my sheep will hear my voice. My sheep recognize my voice. It's interesting, in Eastern culture, in the lands around this time, even to this day, you can really see it. Ray Vanderlyn has this great video of this. Shepherds have this unique whistle or like a call to the shepherds for the sheep to respond. So tons of different flocks can like mingle and graze around together, but one shepherd calls and the sheep will follow. I think we feel like that's like super strange because we know the intelligence of sheep is not, is not like way up there, like on the, on the evolutionary ladder, sheep are not, right? Some of you, I hate to let you down like your childhood just crumbled. Sheep are not smart in general. That's not what Jesus is commenting on. But I always find that amazing. For instance, uh, my wife and I were watching um, Planet Earth. You ever watch Planet Earth, BBC's Planet Earth? It's incredible. It's this just wild, like, nature show. I'm not, like, a big nature show guy. But, like, somehow, I want to know, like, the behind the scenes. Because whoever these videographers are, they get so close. Like, you can see, like, a hummingbird sweat. Like, I'm convinced it's all made up. But it's fascinating. Anyway, there's this one uh, clip I was reminded of when I was reading through this passage. Um, and you can see uh, here, here's a bunch of penguins. Uh, it may be difficult here in this room, but that's just, that's a lot of penguins. That's, a, that's, that's an abundance. That's a super abundance of penguins. And uh, basically, they're tracking and tracing when mom would go out, go fishing, and dad would go out, go fishing, make this long trek out to the water, treacherous, half and don't make it back. There's like a lot of bloody penguins. It's a bit of a mess, this scene. But then when they come back with, with the food to regurgitate it all, which, by the way, I just feel like it'd be awesome if humans did that. <laughs> like of all the weird restaurants out there, couldn't there be like a, like a, like a, like a bird me? Like, or like you're just like having nachos with your buddies and you're like, you know, I don't want like the nachos right here. I'm like, oh, bro, will you bird me some nachos? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, one sec. And he'd chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it. And then he would lean back over and then he would just spit it into your mouth. No? Okay. I'm telling you, it's going to be huge. There are weirder restaurants out there. Probably not. A penguin would come back, and all of a sudden, um, they would just let out this shriek. And there's like, when they turn the audio up, you're just hearing thousands, literally thousands of penguins shrieking, 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 shrieking. And sure enough, the penguin knows and begins to make his way through the crowd and finds his spouse, and finds his babies. It's incredible. Jesus is like, my sheep will hear my voice. There are people who are open and who will recognize what's happening. There are people, but there are some that aren't. This comes off a passage in chapter 9 
where John, where Jesus, I, I think I'm just going to switch mics. Is that what I should do, Tino, at this point? Are you guys hearing that ringing? No one else is hearing that? It's just me. Great. Cool. I'll deal with it then. Um, it's, uh, it's just this wild moment where Jesus uh, has just healed someone of blindness. And the Pharisees, who are the religious elite, who some background and context for those of you who are new to the scriptures, the religious elite are the ones uh, who have a couple, couple different things going on. The religious elite have two things going on. The first thing is that they, um, some of them uh, are just so in bed with the, the ruling authorities in Rome. They are so uh, tied up with how to basically get an edge. They are overtaxing people. They are abusing their powers. This is why Jesus comes in and starts like, I mean, he wrecks the temple. Like soft, meek, mild, Jesus goes to town on the corrupt religious folks. That's a nice feeling, right? To know that Jesus has no tolerance for those that would use religion or use his name to abuse things, to gain power or prowess. That's a good thing, right? That feels good. I like that. I like give an amen to Jesus for that. And, and, and so he's coming in and critiquing these folks. And then there are these other folks in the religious establishment who are essentially want to revolt against Rome violently. They want to just like throw it over. But in this passage, Jesus is confronting those who, they don't have ears to hear who Jesus is. They think Jesus is, is a false prophet. Jesus is undermining their authority. He's spending all his time with the people. Because it is the people who are poor and taxed and pushed down and oppressed, who don't get it, who are open, who are wondering what's going on, who know there's something awry with the temple system. And Jesus is undermining undermining everything that's happening. And so they are questioning him around every pass. And they're questioning this man who's born blind. Like, and they're asking him questions like, who really healed you? You're lying. They grab his parents to come in. This man who has been blind. Like, was he really blind? Like, did he juke us? Like, this is like the original Jesus juke. Like, did he, did he is he messing with us? And he can, they continue to press and press and press and press to try to figure out what is really going on, because clearly this Jesus has to be a fraud. He's stirring up trouble. He's breaking out the status quo. He is not doing, he is not falling in line. He's not falling in line. So Jesus then goes, you guys, you guys don't get it. Yeah, you don't see me. You're blind to who I am. He says, you guys are all basically false shepherds. And what he's doing is actually referencing something earlier on in the scriptures. It'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, it might be easier to follow along. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. So, so we all, we all kind of clear on the context here. You have Jesus who's being confronted by the Pharisees about healing on the Sabbath, about healing in God's name. He's got all this audacity that he's actually like the son of God, God incarnate, all this language that, one, that's like frustrating them. But then he's, he's doing things that don't fall in line with like the fundamentalism of their day. He's doing things in the spirit of the law and he's undermining a corrupt system. You with me? Say, I'm with you. Say, I love Ezekiel. That's okay. I'm not going to force you. Having listened to that passage read, keep that in the front of your mind as you hear these words. This is Ezekiel 
prophesying about something that's about to happen. This is crazy. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Who does Jesus refer to himself as? He calls himself what? Son of man. Prophecy. Say to them this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel. A way of saying the religious leaders. Who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds. You clothe yourselves with the wool. And slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. Religious leaders, you don't care, take care of your people. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. Jesus tells stories, right? About I'm the shepherd who goes after the one sheep that gets away. He does the non-economical thing and goes after the one sheep. Come on, how good is this? He says, you have ruled harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, you religious elite. Therefore, you heads of church. Therefore, you people who are in power. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather uh, than for my flock, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. It's like ramping up, ramping up, setting it up, setting it up. This is what the sovereign Lord says I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Shut This has happened before. Apparently it's not a new thing for people to abuse power. Apparently it's not a new thing that people would use Things like spirituality and faith and religion and power. Remember, this is all wound up in politics as well to abuse and to twist and to manipulate and to control and to keep the status quo as long as it benefits some and disenfranchises others. Apparently, this isn't a new thing. It's not a new thing then for Ezekiel, because he's referencing back. It's not a new thing for Jesus, who's nodding to Ezekiel. Hey, who Ezekiel was talking about? It was me. And I know it was happening there, and it's happening again. And I'm betting the Pharisees who knew the Torah, who knew Ezekiel, knew what he was doing, which is why they end up throwing him to his death eventually. And we know this is not new now. We just have to look around at our world. We have to look around and see the abuse of power and the twisting of things. You could take this further, right? This isn't just like pastors and leaders of like colleges that have faith systems. This isn't just presidents and senators, though there are clearly implications and there's sort of a different sermon I could give. But where I want to bring us in Eastertide back to Jesus' words, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come that you might have abundant life, an overflowing life, the life of the ages, is what Jesus is saying is I'm not like that. He's saying, I'm not like that. And if I'm the fullness of God, this is not what God is like. He's saying, if there are shepherds who lead them astray, 
If you know your scriptures right, you know at the end of one of the gospels, he talks about separating the sheep and the goats. Goats aren't just like a random animal they threw in. The reason why goats would never be in the sheepfold is because goats are the ones who have a tendency to run off and the sheep will always follow the goats. That's why he ends up calling many of the religious elite and those who caused followers of Jesus to stumble. He calls them goats. He's not just like picking a gnarly animal. There's all of this metaphor around this culture that shepherding was like central to. And so you have Jesus going, I'm the one who's going to lead them into green pastures. I'm, I'm going, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. I'm the one who's going to lead them home. I'm the one who's going to like, create a sheepfold for them that isn't just a place where they can flourish, but I'm going to protect them. That's who I am. That's who I am. In John 10, Jesus talks about how he, he is the actual gate, which is a funny thing to say. But what he's getting at is the word that's used here for the sheepfold is actually one that would have been around a house. And so it would have been likely a young man who was out uh, caring for the sheep. And he would literally stand at the entrance of the sheepfold, oftentimes overnight, to sleep there. Because it wasn't just enough just to have a gate, but to keep watch. And so it wasn't just to protect against people coming in. It was to guard against the straying that would happen. Jesus, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He's saying there's some folks that have snuck in and claimed that these are their sheep. And Jesus has gone, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not accurate. There's a lot of folks who would like to pull you astray and pull you away from me. Keep your eyes set on me. And he says something like, my, the sheep just, they know my voice. The sheep haven't really fully listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters it through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd goes after the one who goes away. The good shepherd is the one who provides abundant, flourishing life. I kept thinking to myself about this text, about how, what are the implications for me that this is what God is like? What are the implications to me that God, like this abundant life out of the gate is in the context of him saying, I'm the one who will care for you. I'm the one who will lay down my life for you. And I just kept thinking about how I haven't had a lot of people in my life let me down, which immediately caused me to give thanks. And then it caused me to think that is not the norm. How many people in this room have been, whether directly or indirectly, found themselves abused and bruised and pushed down and found themselves under the foot of someone else? People who were supposed to lead them, they were supposed to be good. Maybe they're even dad and mom. 
I just thought before we get into any of these other implications for everybody else who's like doing okay right now, I just had this overwhelming feeling like there's some folks in this room who I don't need to say anything else this morning. I think the Spirit's probably already kind of working on you. Like just this is what God's like and he won't do this. That whatever you go through, that the life that he has for you is safe and secure with him. Like just hearing the phrase like he's a good shepherd actually begins to do something in your own heart. He's the one who will go after you. You're not alone. What they did to you will not last. One conversation I, I tend to have a lot of is with folks who have serious, tends to be more father wounds than mother wounds. Deep father wounds. I just felt like I had to just like pause for a moment this morning and just. Just present the option to you that you can choose to trust. That God is the better and good father that you've always wanted. That every ounce of lack, like the lack of safety that you felt growing up or the lack of safety and security and encouragement and care an abundance of the things that matter, of love, peace, joy, patience. Like, you didn't have any of that. I was never modeled. You never saw that. And that, when Jesus says, you'll be saved. There's a lot of things he's saying there. He's saying, this is where the life is. In me is where the life is. Put your hope and faith and trust here. And then as I started to think about that, like, I want to just leave all of you there for a moment and, like, trust that Spirit will, will move in that. There are others of you, and this is my second conviction this morning, is that there are others of you who that is your cue to tune out. Another sermon about how Jesus is the answer, always only Jesus, cool. I had someone tell me recently they don't really want to keep going to sanctuary because we talk so much about how, like, we really just need Jesus all the time. And I'm really looking for, they essentially said, more pro tips on how to live. I love pro tips on how to live. We just did a whole series on emotional health. But if Jesus is just a lifestyle tack on that we can, like, take abundant life and then ascribe whatever we want to it. And then I can pivot to a version of a TED Talk. I'm not interested, mostly because I'm a pastor and I'm a follower of Jesus and we are a church and Jesus is everything. Everything. I won't ever get past the good news that I have been saved and rescued and realized that all of the other things that are complicated, all of the other bits about what it means to be healthy and flourish and thrive in this life and all of the helpful things that we can talk about and the brilliance of the scripture. I'm not denying any of it, but if it doesn't start at Jesus is Lord and I have been saved from my sin, it will go nowhere. You will be a burned out activist. You will burn out. I guarantee it. History is on my side, brothers and sisters. You will burn out the good news that you are loved and forgiven and you need it to be forgiven. It's so not okay to talk about, and we always shy away from it because it doesn't like it's not really friendly to like secret folk. 
But like you're like we're made in the image of God, which is good. And the scriptures begin in Genesis one. But we are moved from death to life, which means you are implicitly inherently dead. That's just the scriptures. You can't move around it. And the good news that we have a shepherd who saves us and rescues us and comes after us and is good and cares for us and loves his people and pushes away and guards against and has very, very strong words for those that would look to abuse and hurt and oppress. And Jesus goes right for the church. He goes right for the religious elite. He says, you guys, you don't see what's happening. You're blind. See, see, for everybody who, as I was talking about how you might need like a, a hug from Jesus this morning, a minute ago. I don't mean that patronizing. I mean, like literally. Like I could use that, please. For every person that responded to that, Right, if that's the sincere, then the cynic who sat here and went, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, some people need that. I'm not one of them. That's cool. That's you. I humbly submit that you might have a little bit of Pharisee on you. Hear me. <laughs> the end of John 9. Remember again, Jesus has healed this man who's born blind. The guy doesn't know what's going on. He's like all of a sudden got caught up in this like political fight. He's like, all I know is I've been healed. He's like, do you want to become one of his followers too? He literally says that as the Pharisees continue, the religiously continue to badger him and question him and bring his parents in. It's this whole mess of a situation. I don't know who he is. All I know is I was blind, now I can see. I was blind, now I can see. Then Jesus heard that the the Pharisees had thrown him out. Right? Because they didn't like that he was acknowledging that this had happened. Which I don't know how you get mad at that, but they got mad at that. And then when he found them, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Like, do you believe that the Messiah is here? Here's the, here's the guy. I just love this guy. The blind man, one of my favorite characters in all scriptures. Like, who is he? The man asked, tell me that I might believe in him. Like, I'm down. If that's the guy who healed me and he's deserving of praise, I'm in. I'm open. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, so the Pharisees must have been hanging around this conversation. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind, which is confusing and a different sermon. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? You with me? The religious leaders are like, uh, oh, so you're quoting Ezekiel and all this. Is, uh, cool. Are we are we blind too? Is that what you're trying to say here? Was that that little dig, Jesus? We heard that. Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you'd not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Jesus is going all Yoda on him right now. I understand this may be hard to follow, especially if you're new at the scriptures. But this is what's going on. Jesus is like, he's talking about two kinds of blindness. Spiritual blindness and physical blindness. And Jesus keeps jumping between the two just to kind of of play with them a little bit. They're like, so what, are 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 you trying to say we're blind? 
He's like, you wish you were blind. I read a lot of commentaries from very conservative to very liberal. They all basically say the same thing. You say you were blind. You, you, you wish you were blind. Because if you were blind, you would have eyes, the eyes of your heart, to see. Because you think you can see, because you think you have religion figured out, because you think you know how big my kingdom is, because you think you know what's going on, and because you're benefiting from all of this, you are so blind. If you were physically blind, it would be so much better for you. Because then you could see. You following me? Like if you actually had your eyes gouged, like it would be better. Why? Because for some of us, when we respond to the Jesus hug and we go, oh, God, okay, yeah, Jesus, okay, yeah, I put my trust in Jesus, okay. Do we ever really get past this? Like, what, what he, he, the reason why I say you might have a little Pharisee on you is because they just assumed they knew what was going on and they weren't really open. We talk so much about being open-minded in our world right now. And I love being open-minded. But let's be honest, many who ascribe to be open-minded are incredibly closed to so much. The people that were open to Jesus were the downcast and the broken and the hurting. They were the ones who were, who were in pain. They were the ones who were suffering. They were the ones who were blind. They were the ones who didn't get it. They didn't understand what was happening. They were the ones on the downs underside of power. And, and Jesus goes, they're the ones who can see. My sheep know my voice. My sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will hear, they know it. They're not paying attention to you. They know that this isn't the true God. They know this isn't where the love and the life is. They know it. They know it. They know it. They know it. The invitation for some of us today is trust his voice. It'd be better if you were blind. Trust his voice. Trust that he will not take advantage of you. Trust that he hates the very religion that some of you are rejecting, the one that oppresses. Trust that he hates those who try to profit off him in his name. Trust that he's the good shepherd. Trust that he's the good father. Trust that he's the good king and that he will lead you, he says, into abundant life, which is the life of heaven. He will lead you into a love that bears all things, as 1 Corinthians says. A love that bears all things and believes all things and endures all things and hopes in all things. Jesus leads us into what the Hebrews call the life of the ages. And so when we can trust that, when we can truly be open to that, the person who walks through the store right now psyched. The question for us is how do I continue to be open to the things of Jesus and to grow in my discipline and practice of what it means to be alive in him, to walk that path and to walk in greater assurance and endurance. But the person who walked through today who was a cynic, my, humbly, my humble submission to you is to be open, 
The invitation for you is to actually be open to the things that you're closed off to. Like the Pharisees, they're like, there's no way you're the Messiah. There's no way that this is this. They are the intellectual critique, critiquers, cynics. They're not seeing it. They're not open to it. They're not awake and aware of the life that is right in front of them. It'd be better for you if you were blind. You'd be vulnerable and open. What God desires is a broken and contrite heart. Like you're not the right shepherd. You're not the good shepherd. You're not on the throne. I think for maybe some of us, you need to hear that hard word this morning. God doesn't come at you with guilt about that. It comes at you with like, for some of you, you grew up alive in your faith and you have just walked away. You've been led astray by whatever the goat of the age was for you. And the invitation is to be open. He's saying, I'm the one who will lead you home. I'm the one who will point you to life in this one and life eternal. I'm, I'm the one. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Listen to my voice. The shepherd wouldn't have to walk behind them. A good shepherd wouldn't have to walk behind the sheep and corral and push them. He could walk out in front and just call out to them this whistle and they would walk with him. It's like, look, you, you don't have to come and you can go over there. Follow me. And for the seeker, I, 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 I come before you today to say that there is no other ideology or system that will lead you into the life. Look, everybody believes something. Everybody is following a way. Even if you believe that way is your own way, you got that from somewhere, that idea. Everybody. We stand here, or many of us in this room are here because we're followers of the Jesus way. We simply believe when he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full, abundant life, the life of the ages, the life of heaven. We just think that the Jesus way is the best possible way to live. And when you begin to open yourself to that reality, you, are, you encounter a love that bears all things and endures all things and hopes in all things and believes all things. So as we come to the table today, <clears throat> we're going to take, communi take communion, take the bread and the cup. What we're going to be doing over the next five weeks together is this. We're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus exemplifies in his life, in his resurrected life. He's showing us what life with God looks like. And so there's all sorts of lists and ways we can talk about this. But the writer Paul in the scriptures says, these are the marks of someone who is dialed into reality, dialed into the way of Jesus. This is the life of the Spirit, someone who has been infused with the Holy Spirit, awake to the Spirit, all sorts of ways we can talk about it, this mystery. Because if you, the fruits of the Spirit, so we're going to talk about love, peace, particular patience, endurance. We're going to talk about forbearance. We're going to talk about these these, the way of heaven, the markings of the way of heaven and what it means um, to allow Jesus to lead us in to a safe pasture where the grass is green and high, where the water flows, where f the flourishing happens.
where even in the midst of a broken world where everything groans, we can experience this life of heaven here and now. And so that's where we're going the next five weeks. And so if you're here and there's something happening in your heart, there's something that feels like it's being awakened a bit, I want to encourage you to keep coming as we explore and make sense of the way of Jesus and what that looks like, what the fruits of a healthy church should be. Because we can have a lot of fruit in our church, like the right sorts of fruit. For those of us who this is our faithful community that we're a part of, my hope is that we do not leave this teaching series, this time together in our home groups the same. That we would have greater trust in the Good Shepherd, greater trust and faith, greater faith and trust and hope in Jesus, that the life that we can have with him and in him when we actually begin to walk out his way, what it will produce in our hearts and lives. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, thank you for the promises in this text, the promise of what you are like, the abundant life that you hold and lead us into. Uh, so I lift up today uh, the, the, the psyched in the room, the excited, the expectant, the joy-filled those who came ready to like throw hands up and surrender. That today, this morning, as we start a new week, they would begin to just, um, just rejoice in greater hope. Just to be able to rejoice and rejoice and rejoice in just what we've read today. Of this is who you are. That all the things that are ugly and broken will be undone and that life with you, Lord, as one of such richness and beauty and joy, they would find themselves overflowing with worship and praise. And so I lift up my, my cynical brothers and sisters today. Those who feel like they see and, and maybe the invitation, Lord, you're extending them today is, is you don't actually really fully see. Be open. Be open, be actually open in a way that you've never been open before to what God might still be doing and how God might still be speaking. And to begin to, to trust the way of Jesus again. To rekindle the disciplines. And then for the seekers in the room, my sisters and brothers who are wondering what the heck they are doing in church this morning. Lord, I know that your spirit's moving and I know for many folks, this is the moment for them where they are being invited to say yes to you. They're being invited to say yes to you. And so I pray, Lord, I pray to you, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, that you would speak, Lord, to them in a way that they could hear your voice the openness that's cracked a little bit in their heart right now, or that they'd be able to hear you and they would know you for you're here in this room and present and speaking. And Lord, your word just, it knocks us off our horse. It knocks us off our feet time and again to recenter us on that which is most true, Lord. 
In your name we pray, amen. Jesus says he's the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. This is what laying down your life for the sheep looks like. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen. Jesus says to lay down your life for one's friend is the greatest act of love. And here is Jesus, God and God of the universe. The logic and love and grounding behind everything made himself flesh and blood, revealed his nature to us and then died on the cross for us. Laid down his life, exposing the evil in the world, reconciling us to the Father. And this Easter tide, right? We're reminded of the resurrection more than anything out of the cross of the new life of heaven breaking through right here in the midst of this world.